Hey everybody, welcome back to the Dungeon Dive Hobbycast. Daniel here. I hope everybody is doing well. I hope you enjoyed the Morkborg uh, coverage this week. I had a lot of fun playing the game with Solitary Defilement. I hope some of you found the videos useful and entertaining. And so to round out the week of Morkborg, I decided to have it be the focus of the uh, Hobbycast topic today. And I'm going to do seven things that I like about Morkborg, and that is especially with the Solitary Defilement Supplement. And why seven things? Well, because there are seven miseries that when they fall upon the world of Morkborg, the world ends. So perfectly thematic connection. And as we all know, theme is king. All right, so number one is I really enjoy the rules light system of Morkborg. And I have read some complaints about the game and that when people buy it and they open up the book and they start reading that a lot of the book has nothing to do with playing the game. It's a lot of lore. It's a lot of design. It's a lot of art. Uh, the rules for the base game literally can fit on one page of paper and you're getting a lot of fluff for your money. But we're going to talk about that that part in, a, in just a bit. But the rules, I think, just create a lot of space for role playing. The rules create a lot of space for filling in the dots for coming up with the details yourself. Now, some people probably won't like that, and that is completely understandable. Uh, for me, I think it really works. So I was playing, we were actually playing uh, with a group the other night. We were playing our co-op Morkborg session, and my buddy had this kind of, this, uh, this occult device, this occult item. It was a cauldron that when things were brewed in it and the, when the liquids were imbibed, they forced people to tell the truth or they, they allowed people to tell when other people were lying. And he asked, okay, so how does this work? What are the rules? And there were no rules. We just had to make it up. And in doing so, we created a whole little kind of backstory for this item. We came up with how it works, what we need to make it work. And so that gave us the opportunity to kind of own that item, you know, that, 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 item became kind of a bespoke item, a, a unique item for our group, because maybe the way we use it, the way that the rules that we came up with to use it uh, are different than somebody else's rules. It wasn't just a roll a die and hope it works uh, type thing that you might find in something like Dungeons and Dragons. Uh, nothing against more uh, games that have heavier rules. Just I like when Morkborg allows a rules light system allows the players to really own the game and to come to it on their own unique terms. So that is one thing that I like about Morkborg. Um, the second is, uh, I just spoke about that just a bit, but that is how the art informs the game and how it creates atmosphere. Morkborg is a theme forward game. And as I have said just a couple minutes ago, theme is king. And so when I look at the supplements, when I look at the art, when I look at the way the game is designed, the way the text is written, the iconography, the fonts that are used, 
how the pages are laid out. Everything is pointing me towards the atmosphere and the theme that the game is trying to convey. And it makes it very easy for me to get into that particular niche. Uh, this is kind of the direct opposite of a game like Dungeon World. Dungeon World it has very concrete rules. It has a very strong, uh, it, it's more mechanisms forward. And when you look at the book, the rule book, there is like, I think there's one picture in the entire rule book. And the pages are laid out in a very matter of a fact. Here is the text, normal book style fashion. So when I'm reading uh, Dungeon World, the book, even though I think the game is pretty cool, I am not in really interested in it as a thing except for the rules. The direct opposite is true with Morkborg. As I'm reading it, as I'm looking at it, I am getting super into the world that it is creating because of the art and because of the atmosphere. Uh, the third thing on this list is the structure of solitary defilement. Solitary defilement is a very rigidly structured set of, of, of rules to apply on top of Morkborg. So this kind of contradicts with one, but I think the reason why it works is because Morkborg is such a rules-like game. So adding a more rigid structure on top of it becomes very easy. And the rules for solitary defilement are quite simple. They don't add a lot of wrinkles. It just adds some structure. So it's not really adding rules. It's adding a, a it's adding a structure around the foundation. It's adding some scaffolding around the rough hewn cut uh, building or something like that. Um, I think the structure is especially good for people like me who are coming to, who are, who are approaching uh, solo role playing from a board gamer's perspective. This gives a solitary defilement gives us concrete turn order and things happen in a in, in a particular uh, sequence and so it makes keeping track of things easier uh, the fourth item is the open third party licensing and without it solitary defilement probably wouldn't exist uh, the creators of Morkborg have been super liberal and super open in how they allow other people to use their creation and to create things for their creation. It's very similar to how, you know, HP Lovecraft allowed and encouraged other authors to add to the mythos, to take his ideas and run with them to to work off to work to make derivative works off of his own work and because of that we have this huge huge wealth this giant library full of amazing weird fiction that can have can be referential can be self-referential can reference other authors and other creations and it's created these amazing worlds that we all enjoy and the same thing is already happening for Morkborg there is so much material out there it's almost too much and part of me wishes there was like a better website that was curating you know uh, allowing the cream to rise to the top the cream of the crop to uh to to rise to the top as uh <laughs> as house of pain might say um but 
you know, th there's so much. Just go to Drive Through RPG and look at all of the supplements. And what I like is that it just—it's so easy to create things for Morkboard because of how rules light it is. Because of we know the kind of art, we know the kind of world it is. They've—they've they've set this concrete world in motion, and so we can, as creators, we can easily uh, pick things out that 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 will fit in with this world. And it's very easy to create things for Morkboard. They, the creators themselves, the designers, make it easy. And it's just created this whole entire cottage industry around this one game. And I think it's going to be very successful. It already is very successful, but I think it's going to be very successful for many years to come because of that. Uh, the fifth thing is the dark humor and absurdity. I've heard some comments from some people who said that uh, on my videos that I made this kind of a darker game seem seem light and, and, and fun. And I actually find the world very humorous. Um, I don't know what that says about me, but I, I am an absurdist and, at, at heart. I'm kind of like a nihilistic absurdist, I think, in my... <laughs> in my worldview, or maybe an existential absurdist might be better. That's probably probably an existential absurdist or something. And, and, and I find the world of Morkborg to be incredibly absurd and bizarre and funny. I mean, it makes me laugh. The the calamity, the, the destruction, the apocalyptic nature of the world, I think is all done with its tongue firmly planted in its cheek, you know, as a you know, this they 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 jokingly say that uh, this is the game that your parents were actually worried about, not Dungeons and Dragons, because Dungeons and Dragons isn't quote unquote evil, but Morkborg is so evil, and it, it's evil, but in being so evil, it's actually really funny and just yeah, just completely absurd, and I I love that about the game. Uh, speaking of that, I also love number six that the world is ending as a player as a uh, as a game master when you engage with the world of Morkborg for that first time on your campaign or your adventure you know that you are living in a world in which the apocalypse is right around the corner and that adds to each session this sense of dread that as soon as you roll those seven ones on whichever dice you choose in a row uh, that game is done. That world, that that instance of the world is done, and you ha you destroy everything, and you start again. You start fresh, and that is really cool. That is a great idea. I'm not saying that is unique. There could be a hundred RPGs out there in which the world is ending and does end. I'm I'm not sure, but um, I enjoy how it is presented in Morkborg. I wish that I. I wish the omens that you roll on the omen chart, I wish they had, this is one part where I wish the rules were a little heavier. I wish that the various omens had certain gameplay um, effects. I don't think every omen should have a gameplay effect, but I wish some of them did. I'm sure you could easily create some based upon the prophecy that you read. But I would have thought, I, I think it would be cool if somebody made a an alternate prophecy list in which you had to follow certain things as certain miseries transpired. And finally, number seven is another rules um, topic, and that is the leveling up system, especially using the unheroic feats supplement that you can get on drive-through RPG. 
Uh, I like how simple it is. You don't need to stop the game for you know minutes on end while while people pick new spells, while people have to have to uh, read about uh, complex new powers. You roll a few dice. You add some uh, hit points. Maybe some of your stats go up. Maybe some of your stats go down. So getting better, as it is called in Morkborg, is not a guarantee level up. You, you aren't guaranteed to actually get better. Sometimes you will get worse. And that goes along with the world so well. It's one of the more thematic leveling up systems I've seen in a game. It's super simple. So it keeps with its rules, light, um, ethos, ethos. And it is also kind of, can be kind of deadly. And so it keeps with the, the idea of, of the world being dark and absurd. And it keeps with the idea of the world ending. I mean, things aren't going to get better. Things can get worse as you progress through the game. And, and I think that is super cool. So those were the seven things that I like about Morkborg, especially with Solitary Defilement. Um, this is a game that is going to be returning to the Dungeon Dive many, many times. I already have like three, I think three other supplements ordered. So I'm sure as those come in, we will take a look uh, at the game more and uh, doing little one-offs. I, I think the game is really good for one-off uh, scenarios. I kind of like that uh, that idea of doing uh, easy little dungeon crawls with Morkborg with the solitary defilement rules. I also do plan on having a conversation with the creator of solitary defilement on the hobby cast sometime soon. So, all right, guys, well, I hope you enjoyed this episode of the Dungeon Dive Hobby Cast, and we will talk to you next time. Bye bye.